Welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the timeless Matt. Hello there. And uh, today, we are discussing the finale of Series 6, The Wedding of River Song. Mm, from the 1st of October, 2011. Yeah. Um, first time in a while, I think, we've had a... Is is the first time ever we've had a single episode finale? I believe so. Don't quote yeah. me on that, but I believe so. Yeah. Quote, I'll tell you what, you feel it, don't you? This, this There is a lot crammed into 45 minutes. I've just read on the Wikipedia that this was the lowest rated finale of Doctor Who at the time. Really, uh, I thought it was. I thought it was got better ratings than uh, the series five. Actually, no. Well, it says on average, the others have all rated between eighty-eight and ninety-one percent, and this was given eighty-six. Ah, uh, uh, so that's the AI rating. Yeah. So that's or, or, or uh, appreciation index. That's different to. That's not the same as how many people watched it. Yeah. So a higher number of people watched it, but uh, to be fair, it's still very. It's still a high AI, you know, that puts it in the category of excellent, mm. I believe. But I think I'd agree but... with it. I think this is possibly the weakest one we've seen. I don't know about that. I think I prefer it to um, the Series 4 finale. Which, which one's that one? That's uh, the one with the return of Davros, the Stolen Planet, and uh, part, or, or what's it called? I forget what the name of the final yeah, episode is. Yeah, another now. one. But yeah, that to me is a lot of bluster that adds up to very, very little. You you could level a lot of the same criticisms, actually, at this one. Yeah. Um, but I think I enjoy the bluster of this more because it's it, it's a bit more surreal and it, 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 the, the flavour of it appeals to me, even if I have to admit... Ultimately, it doesn't stand up to a lot of scrutiny. No, I, I think, like, I mean, one of the big concepts of this episode is, like, yeah. all of time's happening at once. Yes. And I, I think that is is applied inconsistently. Sometimes it seems to be a really good idea, and at others it's just really, like, silly. But I like the silliness of it at times, though. I I like all of it. I you know, um, th- that to me is one of the aspects of this episode that I really love. That central concept of just we've broken time. Mm. It's just it's just fucked, <laughs> and so it's all and and uh, th- you can tell that Stephen Moffat's having a lot of fun with that concept. Mm. Um, at a certain point. It starts to settle down a bit, and and we start to focus inwards a little bit, just so we can actually tell a story. Mm-hmm. But like in that f- sort of first act, where it's kind of a bit all over the shop, um, I I that that delights me. It absolutely delights me. Uh, anyway, sh- take, shall we just sort of get stuck into to it? Because uh, th- there's a lot to get through with this one. Yeah. Right. So we begin in London on the twenty second of April, two thousand and eleven. Yeah, and we know that date has some significance. It's the date that the Doctor was due to die. Yeah, and I've just written because it's a cold open. We don't get any explanation. I've just put, "What the fuck is this? Hot air balloon cars, pterodactyls, Charles Dickens <laughs> on BBC Breakfast." 
Yeah. Oh, did you enjoy that cameo? Absolutely Re- not. Yeah, referencing back to your favourite episode. The worst. And just the worst. Um, and then Churchill is in charge of the Holy Roman Empire. So yes. I did think, is this going to be one of those like greatest hits episodes where we just have everyone from everything make an appearance? You know, we're two minutes in, we've already seen Dickens and mm-hmm. Churchill. I mean, it is to an extent. I th- I think uh, we'll probably talk about it more in, in when we do our Series 6 wrap-up, but um, I think it's quite obvious when you watch this that in many ways Stephen Moffat wanted to repeat the success and the formula of Series 5. Mm-hmm. And it, it definitely... Uh, that formula is showing some sort of signs of wear and tear yeah. when we get to this episode, I think. It's not as successful in the way it, it sort of folds everything together. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't... You see, I don't dislike the the, the Churchill cameo. And so I, I enjoy it more in this episode than I do in Victory of the Daleks, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, if only because it, it's it's quite fun sort of seeing him in like a sort of Roman emperor's throne room. Mm. And, uh... But Churchill works out that it's always two minutes past five on the 22nd of April. Yeah. And he says, you know, something's wrong. Um, I can't remember who's his assistant at this time. He's just got like a lizard man, hasn't he? No, it's a Silurian. It's it's the, the Silurian doctor from that two-parter. Is it the the same one? Yep, same actor. Oh right, playing the same character. Yeah. Uh, I just thought in general it was just one of them, but wow, it really is a greatest hits episode. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 a lot tucked away in there. Um, but anyway, yeah. So so he's talking to him about how the fact, like you know, the the time is all night or day. It's always two minutes past yeah, five. Yeah, because doesn't he cite the nursery rhyme that we've heard through the series? Doesn't he say like tick tock goes the clock? Except they don't. They don't do anything. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, so he asks for the soothsayer. Yeah, I was really worried it was going to be that Pompeii episode again. <laughs> I imagine if they wheeled that guy out. Yeah, because it, it was—it wasn't Peter Capaldi, was it? He was like that girl's dad. No, yeah, yeah no. no. It was—it was, it was um, a different. Actor, I thought but, that was uh, going to be you lording it over me again. That this episode <laughs> that I didn't think was important was actually the most important in the whole no, series. No, no, I'm, 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 wait, I'm waiting for the next time we get to do that. Mm. Not, we're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, he says, bring out the soothsayer, and it's, of course, the Doctor. Yeah. And when Churchill says, well, what happened to time? The Doctor just says, a woman happened. Yeah. I'll be honest, I don't love that line. Mm. It's it's that same... It rings to me of that same kind of awkward 90s-ish casual sexism that occasionally well, yeah, creeps into Moffat's writing. Churchill says, what, what is this woman like? And he says, oh, she's hell in high heels. Yeah, it's just... It's all a bit sex in the city, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I, I I know what he's going for, but it just, yeah, it, it feels dated. Mm. It's, we don't, let's, let's, let's not talk about women that way, maybe. <laughs> it's not necessary. Um, right, so yeah. then we cut to the titles. 
And yep. once we're back, the Doctor is now... I, I couldn't tell. This was before what we've seen, isn't it, with Churchill? Yes. So basically, the, 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 the scenes with Churchill, yeah. it's almost like a framing narrative. Yeah. yeah. So um, we're then flashing back to the adventures of the Doctor before time is broken... And he he's basically recounting this story to Churchill. Yeah. Um, so he begins by he's on the lookout for information on the silence, isn't he? I think he's yes. decided he's going to try and halt his own death. And he begins yeah. by raiding some Daleks, who tell him yep. to go see Gideon Vandalier. Yeah. So, um, interesting thing about that the Dalek. I mean, I quite like it as a little little moment. It's sort of like a cameo. Originally, Moffat had wanted to uh, just give the Daleks a bit of a rest, mm-hmm. um, which you know is, I think, a laudable sentiment. Um, there is rampant speculation within the fandom that has never been confirmed that the estate of Terry Nation, the creator of the Daleks. And, uh, you know, I've told you before about how, like, in the early days, yeah. people would would kind of own the copyright for whatever additional things they created for Doctor Who because the BBC didn't know how contracts worked back in the day. <laughs> um, so um, the Terry Nation's estate basically give the BBC permission to, to use the Daleks in the current uh, Doctor Who series. And lots of people have speculated that there is some kind of clause within that agreement that they have to appear once per series. Ah, okay. And that's the reason why we never seem to go that long without an episode featuring a Dalek. Now, obviously, if that is true, then Moffat's quite crafty in that sometimes he will do... It will literally just be a tiny cameo like it was in this Because mm. uh, we, we haven't because seen them this, this series, is not, have we? No, we haven't at all. And you cannot call this a Dalek story at all. Mm. It literally is just this one random cameo where, where the Doctor's kind of like got this partially destroyed Dalek that he's um, uh, just extracting uh, information from the sort of like its data core to get more information about the silence. And it's literally, it's, it's, a, it's a 10 second scene and it's done. Mm. But yeah, I, I think that's kind of interesting. Something to keep an eye out for uh, in future with, with Dalek appearances. So, as we've said, this Dalek tells him to go find Gideon Vandalia. Yeah. The Doctor does meet with him, but explains that something's not quite right because Gideon Vandalia died previously. Yes. So the Doctor yeah. works out that it's not only a Tesselector, it's the one he's met in the past. Yes. Is there more than yeah. one? I don't know that there is. We only ever see the same one, don't we? Well, to be honest, it they they can travel through time. Why would they need more than one? I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, so this ties into I don't know if you remember, I made a prediction earlier in the season. You you did, didn't you? That when the doctor <laughs> dies, it would be a Tesselector. So yeah. it was nice to see this make a reappearance. That sort of fluffed my ego and- a little bit. Did did uh, when when it made the appearance? Were you like, aha, yeah, yeah? Did you did you feel like it was all but confirmed at that point? Yeah, but then later on, there is something that brings that prediction into question. Yeah. Okay. So when the Doctor talks to the Tesselector, 
It tells him to go see Dorian Maldivar, that again we've met in the past. We'll talk about him in a second. But the Tesselector also says to the Doctor, oh, is there anything else we can do? And the Doctor just sort of shakes his head and walks away. Yeah. So that's where I thought, oh, maybe not. Maybe it was too, you know. Too obvious. Yeah. So it's always like the, 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 the Moffat's trying to put that to bed there. You know, all signs point to the fact it's going to be a Tesselector. <laughs> so here we're sort of led to believe it's not going to be. So yeah, we get to meet Dorium again. Yeah. Who was. Good old Dorium. Who's, like, who we last saw beheaded by the Headless Monks yep. in uh, a Demon's Run yep. earlier this series. So. In order to get to him, the Doctor yeah. plays life chess against an old follower of the Silence. For information, yes, yeah, so, sporting sporting the eye patch in the same way that the Tesselector, um, the the person that they were imitating, was also involved with the Silence and also had that eye patch that we've seen sort of sported by Madame Kavarian and and others. Hmm. We still don't know what they are yet. Yeah, but it's obviously. It, it marks you out as someone who's who's working with the silence. Now, the guy that he's playing live chess against, which also kind of I love that concept, like it, turning uh, chess into this sort of like brutal arena sport. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's quite a fun idea. Um, uh, is a, is a guy called Gantok, played by? I know who you you're know... going to say. Yeah, Mark, who is it? Then? Mark Gattis. Yeah, he just can't Mark help Gatis. himself. I've never had such <laughs> conflicting feelings towards someone <laughs> as I have for Mark Gattis. To be fair, I, I don't I, know. I love all his other work, but he just yes. bloody insists on throwing his hat in the ring with Doctor <laughs> Who, and it's not once worked. Do you not like? The, do you not like the character of Gantok? Well, this is the best he's done, and it's just throwaway, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and to be fair to him. He did also credit it. Uh, he did play it under a pseudonym. Like uh, he's not actually credited in the, in the credits as Mark Gatiss. Okay. Yeah. So he was credited as Rondo Haxton, which is a sort of reference to a, an old B movie actor called Rondo Hatton. Now I don't know the name may not mean anything, but I bet you if you Googled him, you'd be like, "Oh, that guy." Let me. Just do that now, Rondo. Because even, even if you've not seen any of his films, you'll have seen him in clips and things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, I recognise him from his profile picture. Yeah, he, basically, he had he had a um, uh, a, a medical condition called uh, acromegaly. I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, Almost certainly not like that. Uh, but um, one of the side effects of that is it gives you a sort of very prominent uh, facial features, like an enlarging of, of, of the sort of nose and the jaw and the forehead and, and sort of la- enlarging of the hands and stuff. So he he basically played sort of goons and and, 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 and stranglers and, you know, things like that. He just has this really sort of... Um, like menacing look to him mm-hmm. and uh they they basically modeled the design of the character of Gantok because you know Gatiss in this is plastered with uh prosthetics yeah. on his face uh and basically they, they modeled the look on on uh on that guy which is why he he chose that pseudonym um so yeah it's a, i'd say probably the best Gatiss 
on the screen performance we've had so far because it, it's his uh, third character that he has played in Doctor Who so far. Yeah. <laughs> if you include the voiceover he did for Danny Boy in Victory of the Daleks. But yeah, no, you're right. He, he just can't stay away, can he? No, he should know better. <laughs> so, we, anyway, when we yeah. find Dorian, he's in like a vault of skulls. Mm-hmm. And all of... I think it's where, where Gantok says it's where the the headless monks have put the leftovers. Yeah, yeah. So all the skulls sort of turn to face the Doctor wherever he stood. And yeah. Gantok is betrayed by the silence because he falls into a big hole. Where... Um, yes. Okay. So so basically, he leads him to. to um, I think isn't it a case that. Uh... I, for, oh, I forget exactly because the doctor doesn't make him fall into the hole, does he? No. I kind of it's a, it's a weird moment the way that all plays out, and like the effect is slightly odd when the the, the the he's sort of being consumed by the skulls. Yeah, I've always felt like it's sort of like weirdly slow mo. I think they maybe were sort of doing a sort of stop motion kind of thing, but it... plus, why do the skulls need to eat him? Do they need nutrition? Nah, I don't know. It's it's <laughs> it's an odd moment. They, they've survived in a hole with nothing. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, so we, we get reunited with Dorian Maldivar, which is the important thing. Mm. Who is now a head in a box. Yeah. So when the Doctor asks Dorian about them, um, he's told that he must never reach Trenzalore because it's not about silence falling. It's about the silence falling and the end of them as an order. So when the question's asked, the silence will fall. Yes, well, at least that's... I, I mean, I, 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 it's hard for me to keep straight in my head when certain bits of this prophecy get teased out. By the end of the episode, we know that the silence is actually... It, it, of that prophecy actually refers to the Doctor's silence. Yes. Yeah, but maybe we haven't got there yet. I forget exactly when, yeah. when that comes up anyway yeah so the doctor takes dorium on the tardis this is our, can i check this is our first reference direct reference to trenzalore uh i That's think not come it's up before, been has it? mentioned before maybe but this yeah. is where it sort of becomes important okay so dorium's now on the tardis because he knows what the question is yeah um and it all ties in that the doctor knows a secret and this is where we find out that the silence is the Doctor's silence. So yeah. the Doctor can't allow this secret to spread, so he must be yeah. killed. Yeah, he, he, they, the, the silence... The, the, yeah, the, 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 the creatures, the order of the silence, because don't forget, they're a religious order, um, are hellbent on keeping the Doctor's silence, not answering the question. Mm-hmm. Whatever the question is. So, the Doctor... He, I can't tell if he's sort of continuing his farewell tour or if he's asking for help at this point. But he calls right. the nursing home. Yeah, he's yeah he's sort do, of... Do you the, want yeah, to the take, doctors... take the lead yeah. on this bit? I will do, I will do. Um, because it makes me cry! <laughs> so, yeah, so the Doctor's sort of, like, protesting to, to Dorian and saying, look, I've got all the time in the universe. I've, I've been on I've been on this this sort of last tour before I, I, I reached my resting place. And, you know, and it, almost to, like, prove it, he's just like, ah, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ring up an old mate and I'm going to 
go on at last. And he does this whole spiel over the phone. And yeah, it cuts to this, this nurse in a nursing home. And, and she just says, I, f- I forget the exactly what she says, but it's like, Oh doctor, we, we've been, we've wanted to contact you. We have got no way of contacting you. Um, uh, Brigadier Vesper Stewart passed away mm. about six months ago. And uh, yeah, if you're a new fan or you've not watched much of, of, of the classic stuff featuring uh, the Brigadier, it probably doesn't have the same impact, but it's a truly beautiful, sad moment. Um, and again, credit credit to Matt Smith because the way he plays it on his face. Bearing in mind, this is this is a man who has never shared a screen time with with Nicholas Courtney. Mm. You know, this is referencing a character that, that hasn't appeared on the show since uh, since the late eighties, and yet you you one hundred percent believe it. The 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 loss on. Uh, on Matt Smith's face there, uh, yeah. So that it's 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 just a beautiful, sad moment. Yeah, and I think a lovely little tribute to uh, to Nicholas Courtney. Well, because um, I I I think had he the, the actor had passed away. That's not right. Long I'm just reading yeah. on the on the website here, um, and it also says that Moffat confirms the eye patches are a tribute to Nicholas Courtney. Uh, oh, because he in in Inferno, he's um, the, there's an evil. Ver- <laughs> um, they the Inferno they they do the old uh, alternative universe where everyone's evil. Yeah, shtick for a few episodes, and so there's an evil version of the Brigadier where the main difference is that he's got an eye patch. Yeah, it's like in Star Trek where all the evil people have mustaches. Mm. So yeah, so and yeah, we see one of the envelopes that the Doctor has. I wondered, was that for the Brigadier? I, that's very much my my uh, takeaway from that moment as well. I th- so think he sort of like just pops it to one side and just like, oh, we'll be needing that then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the Tesselector delivers all the envelopes so the Doctor doesn't cross his own time stream. Yeah, um, it's nice of them. It's the Tesselector disguised as the Doctor. So I still didn't yep. know at this point whether that was going to happen. Yeah. And back in sort of the present, the Doctor and Churchill keep seeing the silence. They're having a conversation, and we see that the Doctor's got tally marks building up on his arm. Yeah, I like the way it's played, where it's like, you know, the last time we saw them, they were in the throne room, and then when we cut back to them, they're just in a completely different part of uh, Churchill's palace. Yeah. And, and and then Churchill's like, why have I got my revolver? And, and the doctor's like, hmm. and he's like, well, you're 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 a dangerous man, soothsayer. <laughs> like he's trying to rationalise it, um, but obviously, yeah, we we know that they're actually sort of uh, being chased by the silence. So this is where we cut to Lake Silencio. This is where yeah. sort of the revelations and the end of the series all start building together, isn't it? Yes. So yeah. we see River Song in the spacesuit. Yeah. Uh, Meeting with the doctor on the edge of the lake, yeah, says that she can't fight it. Okay, yeah. So yeah. she says, "How come she can see herself in the future?" And the doctor says, "That's so she knows she's forgiven." Mm-hmm. He wants her to know that it's okay that she's the one that shoots him. Yeah. So she does. Yeah. And this is where we ask about fixed 
point in time being rewritten. Yes. And yeah. obviously it causes something bad to happen. Yes, because the, doc- the Doctor's always been very clear. Time can be rewritten, but some things are fixed points. Yeah. You know, that's that's not a new idea within Doctor Who. And it's basically... It's the show's way of having its cake and eating it, basically. Yeah. All we need to know is if the Doctor says, oh, this is a fixed point, this has to happen, then we know, okay, right, then that's going to happen. But if not, everything everything in between is malleable, basically. So we can still have fun telling time travel stories and things. Um I think the last time we saw a real classic example of a fixed point is actually, why not, go, uh, the fires of Pompeii. You know, the whole crux of that episode is this has to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but, but River, whether she's just... Whether it's a case that she's just ignorant of, 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 of the fact that fixed points really cannot be rewritten or whether she's just defiant of that and thinks she's somehow like above that rule. Mm. I'm not sure. But anyway, she, she's like, I'm not going to let this happen. She manages to fight back against the, the programming of the suit, discharges the weapon before uh, shooting the doctor. And uh, is like, ah, I can rewrite this. But obviously that is the, the moment at which everything goes wrong. Yeah. Just time unravels. So that that's sort of the last part we get in the past, isn't it? The rest yeah. is sort of concurrent from now on. So pretty much, yes. The Doctor yeah. and Churchill are fighting against the silence. We see the silence all hanging from the ceiling like bats, as we've seen them before. Yeah. And Amy arrives. Yeah. With an eye patch. So yeah. this is bad Amy, and we know that because she shoots the Doctor. Or does she? Well, it turns out it was only a stun gun, and because of the crack in her wall, Amy's able to remember everything because of that rift. Or at least in snatches, she's kind of piecing it together. So she's got she's got a little her little model TARDIS like she had yeah. at home. She's there's sketches on her walls of uh, various monsters and things she's met on her travels, and there's even a sketch of Rory. Yeah, handsome hunky Rory. <laughs> Yeah. Because <laughs> um, one thing she doesn't remember is Rory. Yes. Well, she, she, I think she says she remembers that she, she had a husband. Yeah. Called Rory. But she's, she, you know, she can't find him. She doesn't remember enough. Yeah, because what she does have is a soldier like Captain Williams. Yeah. Who is played by Rory. Yeah, it's Amy's best soldier in her sort of like little resistance group. Yeah, and I think is this. I forget exactly where, it, but when the doctor's sort of like piecing it together and trying to to get her to, uh, Amy to see it, he he asks her at one point, "Do you know what his first name is?" <laughs> and she says, "Just Captain." Yeah. So yeah. we find out they're on a train from London to Cairo. Yeah, and this is where we get the explanation of the eye patch. So it's not an eye patch; it's an eye drive. Yes, and it helps them to remember the silence. So that's why Covarian had one. Yeah, and it's why these soldiers that are fighting the silence all have one. So underneath the pyramids of in Cairo is where some of the silence are kept prisoner. 
and they're yeah. kept in like fl- vats of fluid to insulate their electrical powers. And River Song's in charge because when there's a moment here where Amy says, "Oh, I want to introduce you to some old friends," I I thought we were gonna get more characters from all through Doctor Who, but it's just River Song. Yeah, <laughs> um, and she's captured Madame. Corberia. To be honest, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad of that because like this episode is dense enough as it is. We don't need yet more uh, cameos. Yeah, yeah. So they've captured Madame Corvarian. They have. They've got her tied up in a chair, um, and the Doctor has a little go at River for not killing him. Says all oh, this that's happening is her fault, and when they touch the timelines. A line again, and time moves forward. Yeah. So, River seems sort of unwilling to do that. Yeah, all this ultimately uh, comes down to it, it is River loves the Doctor and therefore can't bring herself to kill him. Mm. Yeah. Which, you know, that's that's the sort, sort of the crux of it. So, whilst they're having this conversation, all the silence start to wake up. And yes, yeah, because they, 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 they were kind of supposed to be con- contained because uh, we finally get an explanation for how they do their zappy thing, which is they, they sort of draw electricity from around them. So they're being sort of kept in these these sort of stasis chambers of, of water. Um, so they, they're unable to do that. Um, but yeah, it turns out they could just break out of them any time they wanted. Yeah. They were just biding their time. Yeah, so they all escape. And it turns out all the eye drives are weaponized, so it starts stunning all the soldiers, you know, yep. blasts electric, including Madame Colvarian. Yes. So it does that. Cla- it's that classic thing of, and I, I, I love this as a trope. Like the 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 baddie who think who thinks they're the big bad and thinks they're indispensable, only to turn out to be perfectly dispensable uh as far as the even bigger bad is concerned yeah exactly um so yeah because it's just it's it's just a delicious bit of comeuppance isn't it yeah so um amy and river want to show the doctor their plan so yeah. they sort of head to the top of the pyramid Me- can, uh, well can we can we just sort of linger a moment on on how how that goes where um the because there's, there's a couple of moments here, isn't there? That, that, um, so, because the, the the doctor intervenes and actually does help Madame Caveri and sort of takes her eye, sort of flips her eye patch to one to one side, and uh, rushes off with River, mm. and Amy is left with Madame Caveri for a moment, and Caveri is sort of like you know begging for mercy and stuff. And Amy sort of just leans in close and, and says, you know, you took my baby from me. <laughs> and, and she's like, yeah, but you won't hurt me. You know, you travel with him, with the doctor. And and, and she says, you know, the doctor is many things, uh, yada, yada, yada. But also, he's not here. <laughs> and uh, that's a, it's a dark moment, but a, I think a good, a good moment for Amy. There. But I feel that an unfulfilling moment to resolve that relationship between her and Corvarian. You think? I, I think a- Amy seems not that 
impacted by the fact her baby was taken from her and you know I wish I wish they played they they lingered more on it but I I, I basically well, I, okay I'm thankful for anything I get mm. as far as that's concerned because we've had almost nothing at this point yeah um um but I I, I agree with you I, I I it's it's one of the biggest flaws of this whole story arc is that Amy and Rory just kind of take it on the chin yeah. in a way that feels completely unnatural. Yeah. Well, um, it, it, it's, it's not how I'd respond. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. But it's like, I think Moffat gets a bit caught up with the structure and the ideas of his stories and sometimes forgets the people involved. Mm. Um, well, I th- let, let's just talk about Rory whilst all this is happening as well. Because he yeah, says... Yeah, because we do, we do have a great Rory moment here. He says, don't worry, I'm going to hold them off. And yeah. Amy says, well, you know, as soon as electricity comes from your eye patch, you're going to be knocked unconscious. And you see Rory with like a clenched fist with lightning yeah. flaring through it. And he says, yeah. it already has. So yeah, it, it ties into the idea that Rory's just basically the greatest fighter of all time. When it comes to protecting Amy, yes. Yeah, he's got the strongest heart of all of yeah. time and space. Yeah. He's a good egg. Yeah, so Amy falls in love with Rory again. Yeah. And then we get an unconvincing machine gun moment. From <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, that's not incorrect, is it? You just get a shot nope. of Amy yeah. blasting a machine gun into nothingness. And then it's <laughs> yeah. almost like something from Hot Shots. All the silence just fall down in unison. Uh, yeah. I think I've said this before. It won't be the last time I say it. Doctor Who does a lot of good things, but it cannot do action. Yeah. It's any time it tries to be an action show, it falls flat. Yeah. It's 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 always it's about the ideas. It's about the characters. It it's never going to be the A team. No. No. <laughs> so up on top of the pyramid we find out that River had sent a distress beacon. And yes. the universe had come to help the Doctor. So, of all the people he saved, all his allies, they all mm-hmm. come at once to help him. Yeah. However, the Doctor has other ideas. And this is where we get the titular wedding of River Song. Yeah. As Rory and Amy give River Song away... And she marries the Doctor. And Well, so that's one prediction that, that you were incorrect on. You were like, oh, she's not going to get married. Yeah. I mean, it, she does. Yeah. To call, to call the episode that, I mean, it's about 40 seconds of the whole episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but, but to be fair, the whole episode is about uh, River and the Doctor's love for one another. Yeah. So they bind together. The Doctor says, I'm going to tell you my real name. And Mm -hmm. now this this sort of confused me a little bit because we know in the past that River has revealed to the Doctor she knows his real name in in the first time we saw River. But that must be an older River, was it, that actually did learn that because... Yeah, well, it's the, the the first time we meet River is 
at the end of her timeline because she she dies and is uploaded. Yeah. Uh, at the end of of uh, Silence in the Library. So, in order to make time run again, they need to touch. So they share a kiss. Yep. And everything returns to normal. We get that nursery rhyme. Yes. Again. Okay. So, Amy's sat in her back garden, back at home, in the house that the doctor bought for her, having a little bit of wine, just chilling, Mm -hmm. and River appears. And it's River dressed in military garb, isn't it? Yes. She says she's just got back from the Byzantium, which is the the, the Angel's two-parter. Yeah. So, they meet again, and Amy's upset that she killed someone. Yeah. You know, she says, although it was in a different timeline, I left someone for dead. What sort of thin yeah. person does that make me? Yeah. Um, but then River, to try and cheer Amy up, tells Amy the Doctor's secret. And mm-hmm. it turns out that when they were married, it wasn't his name that he whispered. He said, look me in the eye. Yes. And when you look closely, what was in his eye? <sighs> It was the Doctor himself, was... hiding in a Tesselector. Yeah. So, yeah. Glad I got that right. So... <laughs> I, I was, you know, yeah. I was you Captain called it. Smug you called it. when I got that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hope I hope I did an okay job of not just... Because I never wanted... You came back to it so often, and I was like, I don't just want to say, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, but then... But... <laughs> All the way through, I, can't I deny thought it, it was either. until this episode where it... Because you do see, as I mentioned earlier, when the Tesselector says, oh, is there anything I can do? And the Doctor walks off. It turns yes. out that was a cut there, but two seconds yeah. later, he opens the door again and goes, oh, actually, there is something. Oh, actually. <laughs> just, like, the idea just pops into his head. Yeah. Yeah. So Rory joins them, and they're all really happy that the Doctor lives. Hooray. So then, back in the vault with Dormian... We yep. get the confirmation that it was the test selector. And Dormium says that the Doctor's fate still awaits him. When yes. the question's asked. And... Uh, the oldest question in the universe, hidden in plain sight. Yeah. And mm. it's the question that I predicted as well. It is, yeah. Two, yeah, two, uh, two predictions out of three for this episode, I'd say. Yeah, it's just the question is, Doctor Who? With a question mark on the end. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I mean, my initial prediction that it was who sang Mouldy Old Doe sort of <laughs> goes out the window. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Part of me is quite happy with that as a resolution, that we're going to see a bit more expansion of yeah. who the Doctor we're, is. We're not, yeah, we're not all the way there yet. But then the Doctor also says, you know, I've been getting too loud, it's time I operate from the shadow. So... I think That's I ag- kind of cool. I think I agree with that in terms of the plot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's especially when you look at it's been slowly ramping up. I feel like um, since the tenant years, you know, every finale is bigger and bigger mm. and flashier and flashier, and this is almost an acknowledgement of that. And being like, oh yeah, maybe the Doctor needs to. Just calm down a lie, bit. Yeah, lie low a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. I'm, and Plus, I think we're at the point where, you know, we talked about it earlier. It's becoming a bit formulaic. And, yes. And, you know, I, I'm excited for a change. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but there, there, there's some there's some shakeups yeah. that happen for sure. Um, so yeah, that's that's it for the finale, isn't it? Mm. Um, like I say, it's yeah, there is a lot. I think on on overall more good than bad, but there is. I just wish there was a little more breathing room with this story. It, it's it's so breakneck. Yeah, the whole time it's so densely packed. It's like trying to just and that's it, I, eat a whole fruitcake in one sitting. I think by putting so much in, the important bits suffer. Yeah, definitely. You know, like I say, that actual wedding of River Song is no more than four minutes tops. Yeah, and it should be this big emotional climax, but it doesn't quite land the emotional aspect. Yeah. Like it feels, it feels big and satisfying in a lot of ways as a, as a, as a, you know, explosive finale, but the emotional impact of it is a little bit lacking, I think. Mm. But we'll talk about that more, I think, uh, when we do our series six wrap up. We've got one more episode though before we get there because um, it's always difficult to know where to place the, um, the Christmas specials. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I feel like we're better off doing it as a sort of coda for Series 6 than the start of Series 7. Okay. Um, So next week we are going to be discussing uh, the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. Oh, great. Is it a long one? (laughs) Is it a nice 45 minutes, or is it one of those one-hour 20s? I think it's it's probably an hour. Oh, great. And I'm interested to see it because... It is one of those episodes I have not rewatched once since it was first broadcast. Okay. Which isn't to say that I hated it. I never really know how I feel about Doctor Who Christmas specials uh, on first viewing because I'm always watching them in a sort of alcoholic uh, and uh, food-induced fug. Mm. So it, it's very hard to know for sure. I, I don't remember hating it, but also it's a Christmas special and, and I have to be in the mood to rewatch those. So I've, I've never gotten around to rewatching it. So I'm quite excited for that. Um, I'm just looking to see how long it is. Uh, 60 minutes. So yeah, so strap, strap in for that one. Maybe grab a beer to help you through it. And yeah, so join us for that, everyone. And until then, as ever... Thank you ever so much for listening, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com, and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.